feel it coming in the air yeah. And there's screams from everywhere yeah. I'm addicted to the thrill It's a dangerous Stop. love affair Can't be scared when it goes down Got a problem, tell me Stop. now Only thing that's on my mind Is who gon' this town tonight Hey, welcome to the Kwame Lasso Sports Talk We are live, Alex Clancy, Deborah Debris in the studio We have a lot to talk about with not a lot of time uh, do not forget, I think it's November 4th, Alex, mm-hmm. Deborah. We're going to four days, I believe. Four days. John Missile will send some stuff out, as he always sent a bunch of things out. Um, well, welcome to the show. We are live Tuesday morning. It's not only uh, in Arizona, but we're global. We may have a few call-ins. If you are listening, 888-346-9144 is the number to call in. Join the show. Questions, comments, so we can tell you you're wrong. Yeah. Give, us a, <laughs> give us a call. Welcome to the show, guys. Hey, anything new other than in sports? I know we, you know, we go talk sports, but lots of sports, always sports. Yeah, anything new in your life, Deborah? You, yeah, I know you got something going on. I always have stuff going on. Getting ready to travel again here in a couple of weeks, so where are you going back now? To Myrtle Beach again. Myrtle Beach. Yeah, you must have a house she, there by now. She, I wish. She yeah. Go to, yeah you I'm know do a, this time I'm actually going to do a few days out the ocean and then go into the. So you're going in early seminars. I am. See, when you go to work. You have to go in two days before it's oh, time yeah. to do your job or stay two days later. That's right. You just got to enjoy the place while you're there. Oh, absolutely. Alex, anything? Uh, I hit my one-year anniversary with my girlfriend. Woo-hoo. Our girlfriend. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that was... One year? Yeah. I didn't know guys do that. But neither did I. Well, not stay in a relationship for one year, but... <laughs> no, <laughs> stop Celebrate it. the anniversary. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, or one remember year. remember it. <laughs> so, well, it's good then. One yeah, year. Congratulations to that because... Yeah. Uh, you know, in, in a minute tomorrow it'll be two years. Yeah, they I know, go by yeah. so fast. Yeah, um, all right, let's get let's get on the show. There's a lot of things uh, we talk about. Football, basketball is around the corner. So if we get around the corner, we'll talk basketball. Unless yeah. unless something just hit us. Unless I, something come just across my sneaks in the mind. Yeah, something come across my my screen. Um, <laughs> and this nice studio we are in Voice America. Hey. Um, Football. You watched a lot of fo- you watched football last night mm-hmm. a lot this uh, weekend. Uh, you know, I, I found myself watching the Kansas City Chiefs because I wanted to see how real they were mm-hmm. and or not. And I, I didn't see anything special from the Kansas City Chiefs. I saw the Oakland Raiders make a lot of mistakes. Um, I, I, Terrell Pryor made a comment about his team going to the playoffs. He must don't know he's the quarterback for the Oakland Raiders. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and the playoffs would be great, but you're in the AFC West. And the AFC West is interesting, if you uh, will. You, 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 and I say that because not the Denver Broncos, but the San Diego Chargers. San Diego Chargers are 3-3. Three and three. We can look at them and say, well, they could be 5-1 and one easily. Uh, easily. Yeah, San, Chargers could be 5-1. and one. But they 3-3, three and three, they are where they are. They have Jacksonville coming up, and I want to say that's a win, but Jacksonville played Denver pretty good. Yeah, they're playing better than they did last year, that's for and sure. And Jacksonville don't want to be that team to go 0-16. Mm. They don't want to be that team. Right. The last team that did that was the Detroit Lions. But they have the uh, San Diego Chargers have them, and then they have a bye week, and I believe they have Denver. Is it Denver or Kansas City? It's one of the two. I know it's interdivision. I could have said it's one of the two, Alex. <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> it's, well, they, have, they have the Jacksonville Jaguars. By week, and then they have the Denver Broncos. Are they looking at? Um, they're looking at. It might be Kansas City Chiefs. So I, I think they could be. They're a better team than Kansas City Chiefs. Kansas City, granted, they're six and zero, but I think they're a better team than the Kansas City Chiefs. 
because uh, I didn't see anything spectacular from the Chiefs. They do have a defense, but Terrell Pryor, you know, and his three interceptions, that offensive line, I think he got sacked about eight times. Yeah, it was – I mean, that that's a tough one to gauge how good Kansas City is because, again, you're playing the Raiders, and it's it's a, a rookie quarterback more or less. So, I mean – they're they're doing what they need to do. I mean, they're, they're doing what the Chargers should be doing is winning games they should win, not giving up leads when they have leads. But I still think it's fool's gold, and I still think obviously Denver's going to come out of the division. It, Kansas City definitely has a four game losing streak in them. Just depends on if it's going to happen or not. <laughs> I hope not, because that that'll destroy that. Well, you know what the Cardinals did it when they went to the. It might have been a three game losing streak when they went to the Super Bowl, but they had already clinched um, the division, the uh, West. And they end up losing, just limped into the playoffs, and then they refocus. A loss is good if it refocuses you, but not a Absolutely. three game, four game uh, losing streak. Because uh, the Kansas City Chiefs being six and zero, they will go to uh, and they lost. Let's say they lost two or three in a row, that'll mess up your mentality as far as the fans' perspective. The um, uh, okay, what are we doing now that we didn't do when we were winning? Well, uh, they're winning, and they're winning some games where. You know, we didn't expect them to win, but I can't, I'm not in that locker room. I'm not on that field. I'm not in practice. These guys are finding a way to get it done. Andy Reid is a rejuvenation to the team. Uh, he brought his philosophy, and they've already adapted to it. They're 6-0. and Yeah, and uh, just back to your point, uh, they play the Redskins after the bye. So they go Jacksonville, Washington. So that could be 5-3. and three. That's 5-3. and three. That, and, then, and then they play at home against the Broncos. So that okay. I mean, they go Broncos, Dolphins, Chiefs, Bengals, which is going to be a tough, tough run after these two seemingly bunny games. Mm-hmm. They play four games that are really tough when, when it comes down to the stretch where you have to win games. Do you think Denver got a little bit of a wake-up call this last week? Uh, I mean, I don't. I mean, it was huge for my fantasy team that they didn't go off. But uh, they have Peyton Manning. I, it didn't really matter. The pick six was, was uh, surprising. But I really don't think that. It's really a gauge as to what I mean. People usually play the level of your opponents unless you're in college football, and you're you know Steve Spurrier running the count you know sixty three nothing against McNeese State or whatever. But Jacksonville, you know, it's they got to win. It doesn't really matter in my opinion. I don't think Denver. Um, I don't think they used the full packs of their offense. I think they worked on some right. things not to give. Um, their next opponent, anything else to work on. Right. So now you got a Let's game plan. Let's not make the film too good for the next guys to right. watch. Right. I don't need you to have all this information about what we're going to do. Although, most of these coordinators are pretty much smart. They know what Denver would do according to their last few games. Teams right. get, At this point, teams are in a rhythm. Yeah. They, they're stuck into what they want to do and what they do right. best. And, and if you're worth your weight as a coordinator, you know when they get in these certain situations, tendencies, when they get in these situations, mm-hmm. th- this right. is what they're going to do. I think Denver went into Jacksonville and worked on certain packages. Yeah, that makes sense. And, and the pick six was um, a little surprising. Um, interception alone is, is happens in a football game, but the fact that nobody was there to, no, no one was there him. to yeah, stop him getting, from getting yeah. in the end zone, and, and that was a linebacker running like a defensive back. <laughs> um, but when you, when you catch the ball on a run, it is tough to you know, stop a guy. Yeah. And who would have thought that in the beginning of the year, by the numbers, the AFC West is the toughest division in the AFC? And you wouldn't have thought that. I mean, you didn't know what the Chiefs were going to bring with bringing in Alex Smith and whatnot. They have zero uh, ladder, uh, zero vertical passing game, though, which could be a problem in in the long run because Alex Smith can't throw the ball past 15 yards. Uh, and uh, Dwayne Bowe's become obsolete. Donnie Avery's a deep ball threat and a non-deep ball throwing quarterback team. So, I mean, it, it'll be interesting to see h- how that transpires. I thought Denver uh, would be good coming back from that loss in Baltimore at home when everyone thought they would be in the playoffs, uh, including myself. I thought um, San Diego Chargers would be good because Phillip Rivers had to bounce back from the year he had prior. 
um, I wasn't sure what was going to trans, um, transpire against with the Chiefs, getting a new coach at Andy Reid, and where they going to adapt to it. I knew the Chiefs had to be better with the season they had last year. They had to be better. They have six Pro Bowls on that team. All of them was worth their weight in going to the Pro Bowl or the, or the vote that they got from their peers. Uh, but I didn't I, – I don't know about the – the AFC, the the only the Oakland Raiders. I figured the Oakland Raiders would be what they were because the Oakland Raiders always have uh, tons of penalties in the games that mm-hmm. self-inflicted How wounds. is that possible that one franchise, take away all the coaches, all the defensive coordinators, all of these things, they always are the most penalized team in the NFL? It's in their head to get, get those penalties. You come I, to the Raiders and you get penalties? That's just, that's just what it is? You come to the Ra- Raiders and there's no more discipline. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. And, and if you don't have any discipline, if you don't have any structure over there, um, and I, I, like I want to think that, you know, an organization want to change, change the face of itself uh, with the uh, head guy who controlled everything that passed away, uh, pioneer, if you will, passed away. All he recruited was speed. He didn't really recruit athletes. He just recruited, recruited track runners. So you got to understand the game. Go get some guys who play in a system in the collegiate level that'll come in and fit right into your game plan and have the right coach and stick with the coach. He may be the Oakland Radio coach for two or three years, and they're talking about firing you. Mm-hmm. Like that was a good yeah. franchise before, or like they're still good now, and we're expecting so much greatness. I think their motto is commitment to excellence. Well, I don't think. People upstairs are committing to excellence. No, it's a great motto. It's, it's just whether you live it or not is right. a whole different deal. What yeah. I know, never understand is that why Marcel Reese hasn't gone elsewhere. Marcel Reese is like he's a staple of the NFL. He's just a he's a good player, solid. Doesn't get into trouble. Doesn't do anything wrong. He's a great fullback. He catches catches a lot of balls out of the backfield. I don't know why he hasn't tried to seek a better payday somewhere else. It's tough. And you mentioned fullback, you know, running backs for one are now become a dime a dozen. Yeah, right. So. so the fullback position, unless you're in Baltimore, unless you got that pound and ground, fullback position is relevant because you know what they're using now are tight ends. They're putting tight ends back there, and, and, and when they need that one or two yards, they, they're getting that ground and pound. But the fullback position alone, where you may see it in college a lot, is I don't even know what they, what they spread offense now in college, if a fullback position is even being recruited out of high school. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, you got a big guy. Uh, the last, to me, Lorenzo Neal. Yeah, I was just gonna say guys yep. like guys like Lorenzo Neal. Um, uh, Baltimore Ravens had one. They had one in well, Seattle. Um, good fullbacks, but they they've come extinct now. I mean, Mike Allstott. I mean, Daryl Johnson. I mean, look at all, the, all these guys that made their running backs better. Work done wouldn't have had a career without Mike Allstott. Emmitt Smith. Well, yeah. Emmitt Smith had the best offensive line, and we yeah, talked yeah. about that. But um, I don't know Lorenzo Neal, Leron McLean, but he he's become irrelevant. Right. What do you guys make of a uh, Matt Flynn? Uh, good, for <laughs> good for him. Good for him. He's making money. He's not even playing. I know, but is that good for yeah, That part is good for him, but that's good for mm, – they're, they're taking these chances. Because somebody feel – you take a chance on somebody because you feel like he can still play. Now, that's, that's no problem with that. It's, but he's getting so many chances where he hasn't done anything. He's had he played one game, right? Six hundred yards, six touchdowns, and that was it. It's under different circumstances too. Yeah, the game didn't matter. The game didn't for either matter. team. You could throw. That's what you want to do. You want to throw the ball, see if we got a guy that who could pass the ball with the, uh, you know, with with the Packers already having a division clinch. That was crazy to me that he's uh, signed with the Buffalo. Well, I mean, all their guys are hurt now. So, And he has, with Stevie Johnson and Robert Woods has shown some flashes this year, they have a pretty good running uh, running back uh, running back core. They have a good defense now that is actually kind of 
being worth the money that they gave him. They gave Mario Williams, what, $100 million? Yeah. And he's finally starting to play well. Three years so, ago. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see if he can he, he can air the ball out. So, I mean, we'll see what happens. At least he's going to get to play and not be sitting on the bench. Well, yeah, that's <laughs> by elimination. Right. The injuries of these quarterbacks. Lewis played well last week. Yeah. Um, but by injuries of these quarterbacks, he will get to play. If you can stick around, stick around and get a job. It's not his fault that... Not, I'm not that gonna he say sucks? No, nah, I'm not going to say it. it's not his <laughs> fault that he's being released. I, I'm saying it's not his fault the teams want to believe in him or somebody want to believe in him. And it's all, you know, it's all, uh, I want to say the system where I might have wanted this guy out of high school. And I couldn't get him in college so I can get him in pro. I still think he's somewhat good. Yeah. And he come in, and he's only a serviceable quarterback anyway. He'd come in and, and be a Band-Aid because when uh, the quarterback comes back, it's, he's back to the bench. Yeah. Or to or not or release well but, or not. I mean, he he could he could have a coming out party here. So you never know. But how much time do these guys get to work on their skills during practice? Because I mean, if you've got somebody who's going to be a backup quarterback, they're not getting the you know the throws in practice as much. So they put them in a game, and then you know what are their chances? The backup quarterback doesn't get a lot of reps on practice. Yeah, well, it's that's all what I'm it's, yeah, it's all a starting quarterback. But Matt uh, Matt Flynn will come in. He probably get all the reps because they want to they want to put him in right now. They feel mm-hmm. like someone feels like he's a starting quarterback, and I'm not saying he's not. I just haven't seen it since you know in a few times he played. Right when he when he went off and has a, a Green Bay Packers record passing record. I the circumstance that, was different. No, they was already in playoffs. They was going to the Super Bowl that year. But isn't that part of the mentality in practice that whenever, even if you're, and like we've talked about this before, that even if you're second man up, that during practice, you better have the attitude that you're the starter. So that when game time comes and your number's called, you go in knowing that you're already the starter. Right. And there's a reason why some of those guys are backups. Um, you like to, you know, some some programs who have huge, they have huge uh, starting backups. Mm-hmm. This is not the case right here. Yeah. Are we going to take a break? I didn't even know we was going to break. Kwame Lassie Sports Talk. I have no idea who was going to break. Your internet flagship station for sports. Sports. The job of a professional athlete is never complete. In Life After the Game, host Lamar Campbell will take an inside look at how athletes are making the transition from the professional athletics world to the professional business world. You'll understand the goals, motivations, and personalities that drive these players off the field and in their post-professional career. Tune in to Life After the Game with Lamar Campbell every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Sports and medicine go hand in hand. Quite simply, if you aren't up to your game health-wise, you won't be up to your game on the field. That's where Bruce the Sports Doc comes in. Dr. Bruce Grossinger uses his medical training and experience to bring you a link between sports and medicine. From the latest advances and treatments to discussion behind the injuries of the week, Bruce the Sports Doc and his team of guest experts are here each week to lay it on the line in terms that you can understand. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. internet flagship station for sports voice america sports lots of sports talk uh, turn my head says up in my ear or oh, can i control that 
Hey, welcome back. Alex Clancy, Deborah Debris. Uh, we have a caller, but I don't know which caller it is, but I know Joe Darrow is supposed to be calling in, uh, football.com, Philly Sports. You remember, uh, Jabronis, uh, when he got, <laughs> he called in. Well, I think Joe was going to Vegas. I don't know what he was going to Vegas for, but, you know, he was going to Vegas. Joe, welcome to the show, buddy. See, this is the same thing that happened to Mike. Mm-hmm. Joe, is Joe there? Yeah, Joe. All right, well, we'll get get to uh, if he calls back in. I don't think the – I don't hear him. Hi, this is Joe. Can you hear me? I don't hear him. We don't hear him. Uh, He must got that uh, that silent phone. Um, Joe, you there? Hey, this is Joe. Can you hear me? Yep. There we go. What's going on with your uh, internet, your cell phone connection? I don't know if your internet connection is. Internet connection? Joe, Joe, you there? Yeah, I can. I can hear you guys. Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah, we got you now. We got you. Hey, welcome, welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. Thanks, thanks for having me on. I really, I really appreciate it. Oh no, thanks for coming on. You on with uh, Alex Clancy and Deborah Debris? Uh, we missed you last time. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was actually in in Vegas, uh, trying not to lose all my life savings. What was that? A vacation? Yeah, yeah, yeah. First time out there, and um, what? You know, it, just, it just so happened that uh, the, the day that. Uh, you know, it was on Tuesday, obviously, with your show being on Tuesday. I was right. actually in flight, so I, I did attempt to call in, but uh, it was a very uh, very futile effort, and uh, yeah, so, sorry to miss that, but uh, glad to be on now. Oh, no worries, man. For those who listen, Joe Dara is, uh, am I saying your last name right, Dara? Yeah, Dara. 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 Yeah. Dara. Yeah. You don't got fancy. That's the way we say it. It's it. messed up a lot. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I'm quite used to it, so it's no problem. Well, I, well, I see you're award-winning journalist, editor, and freelance author. Uh, covers Arizona Cardinals and you out in Philly and you cover the Arizona Cardinals on football.com uh, cover sports at a high school level collegiate level professional level high profile interviews including former greats Troy Vincent who I like when he played now he's in the NFL <laughs> well, he's in the NFL office I don't like any of those guys uh, <laughs> US Olympian Heather Mitz Philadelphia Radio's Glenn McNow and Arthur Rich Westcott Joe you, you've been doing a whole lot man You've been yeah, on a whole lot. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, that was a pretty good. That was a pretty good recap. I appreciate that. I didn't uh, didn't quite expect that that kind of intro, but I, I'll take it. No, no, that's good stuff, man. When you do good stuff on this show, we talk about it, and when you do bad stuff, we definitely gonna talk about it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, <laughs> I'll show. We'll expand on it. <laughs> exactly, uh, and we might even argue about it because we may agree with some of the bad stuff. But you know, we don't just talk the uh, numbers over here. We probably go into the sports life, or you know, like you were call like you calling in is great because you can give us insight on what's going on, not only in Philly, but with the Arizona Cardinals, and we and we hear and we see what we see, but you get an in depth look. Having to write about the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, it's, it's um, you know, speaking of the Cardinals, I'm actually working on an article now uh, regarding the uh, the defense and the the kind of um, peculiar uh, situation regarding Todd Bowles, where he he took over an Eagles team last year at three and three when uh, Castillo was fired, and um, you know now his Cardinals sit at three and three, and uh, while you can't really, you, you probably have to think that the defense is actually most responsible for keeping them in contention. Uh, you know, it's, it's, the defense has not improved on, on, on last year's defense and uh, kind of uh, working up an angle here where if Todd Bowles is a fan of karma at all or a believer in karma at all, he's got to be looking over his shoulder because there's this, uh, some striking similarities between uh, the last year's Eagles team that he took over where he had a quarterback who 
uh, you know, veteran quarterback at that that was becoming more and more accustomed to turning the ball over. Right. Uh, but they were 3-3 three and three in the defense, by and large, last year. Really, uh, you know, at least in my opinion, was, was what allowed the Eagles to even be at 500. And, you know, the, 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 the shake-up was when Andy Reid uh, let Castillo go, and you could kind of tell that, that something was going to happen. And, uh, but I don't think many people thought that the D coordinator was going to be was going to be jettisoned, but uh, that's what happened. And um, you know, the defense didn't really do all that all that well under bowl, especially especially uh, from from uh, playing against the pass. And then when Arians brought him in, uh, letting Horton go, who kind of had, uh, as far as I know, developed a Rapport. pretty good reputation in Arizona for for for, for building up a young. Uh, talented defense um you know with all the surprise that went into that and now uh i think at least as of going into this week i mean we've still got plenty of season left but going into this week um the cardinals are i believe 15th overall defensively and right. they ended last year 12th so he hasn't improved them then i think that that's uh that's what's that's what people have to kind of be looking at right now do you think that goes back to his style of coaching or his personality or his technical skills? I don't know. Well, I, 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 it might have something to do pers- personality-wise. Uh, you know, he gets kind of a reputation for being kind of a soft-spoken kind of guy. And if you're, you're talking about a defense with, right. with, by and large, a lot of young players, uh, especially, you know, a lot of young playmakers. I mean, Maybe that has something to do with it, but you know, again, it's like it's a, it's a tough situation because the defense isn't necessarily playing bad. Um, not you know that he hasn't really improved them per se, but you'd have to you'd have to give the defense credit for for even them being at, at five hundred at this point of the season. And it's just kind of striking that within that sense of similarities are really there to to how he ended up taking over the Eagles last year. And then you throw in with, uh, with, with Horton how he was basically surprised to be let go and being a, a former fellow coach of, of Arians in Pittsburgh. Yeah, it's just kind of a uh, really unique situation. I could tell a you. Of, a lot of similarities within that from last year. I could tell you why um, Horton was let go because they did work together in Pittsburgh, but he had developed such a rapport with the players and they had already pictured him as the head coach. Now, mm-hmm. I, I thought. I thought the Cardinals not hiring him as head coach was uh, a mistake. I, I thought defensively the Cardinals were where they need to be as far as building uh, and making a having a a Baltimore Ravens like atmosphere where defensive matters and offense just don't turn the ball over, just don't have a three and out uh, for twelve series of a football game. Uh, but I thought um, Orton didn't do a lot to his appearance, I, and I and I. Don't hate to say this, but I'm gonna say it. So, I'm, so I am gonna say it. He got to get rid of those uh, braids. Now you can't tell you can't <laughs> <laughs> you can't tell them you can't tell somebody you know because it's like a teenager kid. I mean, they want to rebel. They want to do their hair go wild. It's like you come in here with a spike hair. You do this. You do that. That doesn't make you who you are. That's just you know how you feel that day. He has braids. He was a very intelligent. In my opinion, great defensive coordinator because he, he got those guys to respond to what he had implemented as far as going into a football game and winning from that from right. left side of the football field. I thought uh, Arians wanted to separate himself from everybody that was with the Arizona Cardinals, and I, and I understand that completely. Let me take my direction. Let me build on what, I, what I've done in uh, Indianapolis and take that atmosphere. And the Cardinals needed a change of atmosphere. But I thought Horton would be 
will help him do those things from the defensive side of the football and all he can concentrate on because he's a good offensive coordinator uh, Arians is he can concentrate on the offensive side of what's going on as far as the team concept yeah don't you think that with defense becoming more and more uh, obsolete not so much in the NFL game but do you think that uh, a better offense is more important now than a good defense with all the teams that have used to have that used to be known for their defense especially the uh you know the the Ravens and the Bengals and and, and the Steelers do you think that a good offense will outweigh a good defense in the NFL today in terms of outweigh in terms of in terms of wins well i mean certainly yeah, well, yeah. I mean, the way the way the NFL with the rules today, you know, the, the offense is certainly going to have it, the the better chance to really make the bigger impact in wins and losses. You know, obviously, you know, any team that's going to win a championship in, in, in any league needs to have you know balance throughout the throughout the throughout the team. I mean, you can't. It's going to be tough to to win. Um, any Super Bowl with terrible defense or terrible offense. But, yeah, the offense can certainly uh, have more opportunity with the way the rules are today, I would say, to, to, to get most of the credit to directly impact a win. Um, but that being said, I, I, I do think that the, the defense for the Cardinals really deserves a lot of credit for, for, for keeping them in contention to this point. And, you know, we'll see you know, after Thursday – that word contention can can uh, it can kind of get thrown around haphazardly anyway. But after Thursday, if they, if they don't if they don't manage a win here against Seattle, uh, I, I don't know what kind of contention we can we can really talk about with with them having with you know even just being a game they would be game under five hundred at that Excuse point. Me. But you already have um if you know more than two division losses. So, um, but yeah, I mean, getting back to the Arians' decision, I, I think. I think that it was, you know, basically something that he had to do, especially when the reports became public that that Horton was not just surprised, but but angry over over the fact that he that he wasn't given the head coach, the head coach, and at, and at that point, you know, you really gotta really gotta make sure that you're not having any blurred lines when you come in as a new coach. And I don't have anything necessarily against uh, Todd Bowles, but I was really surprised to hear. Him as his choice. I mean, obviously, there's a Temple connection, but um, you know that 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 defense for the Eagles last year was like a horror movie. Yeah, you, um, you, I didn't understand the defense. They were just—it was almost like non-existence when they got on the field. You just knew a team could take the ball 80 yards down the field if they wanted to. And if, but that, yeah, yeah. And that's the thing. Like, my personal my personal view is I, I don't, I'm not sure yet if if Todd Bowles is just really good against the run. Or if he, if his units are not put together well enough, or scheming well enough to be good enough against uh, good enough against the pass, the teams would actually decide to run on you. Or he, does, or he doesn't know what he's doing because uh, t- <laughs> or you know uh, you can put the basic and I'll give you an example of that uh, Tom uh, Tony Dungy cover two. It's the philosophy behind it. If you got a mentality where nobody's catching us as in a cover two, cover two is a zone. It's a five under three deep, two two deep zone. You can find gaps in there if you got a good quarterback, but you need time to find gaps. But when you got intelligent players on that side of the football, you can play zone all day. You can play cover two, or you can play cover two man, or you can play cover two, which is called Tampa, when you got the linebacker dropping deep. It's the mentality of uh, the coach that the players adapt. 
if I don't believe in my coach or that pos- or that position guy or the guy who's somewhat with the title that's in charge, I'm not going to follow him. I- I'm not going to consistently follow him. I mean, they have to try because it's their professional. It's their livelihood, their jobs depend on their lives. Their livelihood depends on it. Um, but if they don't respond to this guy, they're not going to play well on the field because they're going to get on the field and they're going to change the plays. Somehow, something going to get misconstrued from the sideline because no linebacker has a microphone as ear like the quarterback and the offensive coordinator. We we use hand signals defensively, and everybody should know them. But with the hand signals, we say, well, when you got an intelligent linebacker, I think Daryl Washington on the field is intelligent. Well, I'm changing that play up on defense if I'm there with the Arizona Cardinals because I know what works for I know where we're going to play fast and play aggressive. I had a coach in Kansas, Bob Fellows, before uh, the night before a game, we go over the defensive game plan. He said, is there anything that someone have a problem with it? If it was one play, he took it out. It was not a play where we're going to have to go out there and guess and somebody's not moving fast or not playing or having fun. He just took the play out. So get a defense where these guys can play fast and have a philosophy where, where it's they believe in. And I think that makes for a b- good defense. Now, it's a, it's a different situation with the Baltimore Ravens when Ray Lewis was there because you had a motivator there. You had a guy who was intense every play. You had a guy who... If he he went out there to make plays, and you better be out there to make plays with him. I don't see that. You know, Daryl Washington, there's too many spurts in what the Cardinals doing defensively. And I, and I think their defense is, I know their defense is ahead of the offense. Most defenses are. Uh, but that's all predicated on who the quarterback is offensively. But when you're making plays sporadically, or one person is, then you can't really get into a rhythm where the whole team say, meet me at the ball. I know we used to say it all the time, meet me at the football. So everybody was running. When the ball came out, there's a good chance we got a fumble or we, we had an opportunity to put the offense back on the field for their three plays, and we come back out and do it again. Yeah, but I, there's no such thing as a transition year in the NFL, but this would be the closest thing to a transition year offensively for the Cardinals, right? You have a new offensive scheme. You have a new, offensive, you have a new uh, coach. You have a new quarterback. You have new receivers that are trying to make name for themselves. Your offensive line is jumbled to all hell with Jonathan Cooper going out and trading Levi Brown. And Your Levi is out for the year. Right. Ewald, and so I guess that was a good trade in, in theory. <laughs> uh, you have a, a running back by committee that's like 12 deep. I mean, they kept five on the roster. Their first-round pick from three years ago is non-existent. So, I mean, there's a lot of holes that need to be filled. The defense looks good. I mean, I love... Uh, Joe, what do you think about Teron Matthew thus far? I mean, I know they took nothing with, with the third-round pick for him, but what do you think about him so far? I, I, I'm, a fan. I'm, a, I'm a fan of his, I think. Uh, Me too. You know, with, Me too, with, yeah. With all... I'm sorry? No, I, I agree. Okay. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, living up to his, uh, his Honey Badger nickname for sure. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm a fan of him, and, and I'm also a fan... Yeah, I guess if you have to give, well, I mean, Peterson gets a lot of credit and, and justifiably so for for his staying in line. But um, you know, you have to give the head coach a lot of credit too. So, uh, but I like, yeah, I like him as a player. And the Cardinals overall, I kind of, I mean, the the NFL has gotten the, the parity that that, it, that it's that it's been seek, you know, seeking uh, sir, uh, seeking for um, you know a number of years now, where it's there's 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 so much mediocrity in the league that there's so many teams that have. Uh, you know, we were getting, you know, getting back to that uh, contention where we were talking about earlier. Um, but the, the Cardinals are, to me, are kind of truly in uh, basically the Car- uh, NFL purgatory because they're they're not good enough to to win a Super Bowl, obviously, right now, and they're probably not good enough to even get into the playoffs. But they're certainly not a terrible team, and they have. A good amount of playmakers, both on offensive and uh, offensive and defense, defensive side of the ball, 
Um, but they're probably, you know, so they're probably going to hover around 500 all year and, you know, not get a, not get a high draft pick. And then in the case, again, you know, in the case of Carson Palmer, thought that, he, that he was going into a great situation and it still was a great situation for him to go into, I think. And, uh, to me, he's, he's really coming up short and they're going to, they're, they're going to be in a situation where if they would have, you know, held on to, to, uh, I hate to say it, but Kevin Cobb or, or one of their younger <laughs> quarterbacks and had and had another disastrous year, they might have actually hit the jackpot in next year's draft and had a, a young quarterback to 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 have um, to a team with all their playmakers. At least a wide receiver. Yeah, the running game is is really scary, and uh, like you said, it's, it seems like a uh, depth chart of twelve really, where they can't keep anyone consistently being productive, and uh, that's kind of been something that they've had to deal with for a number of years now. But, uh, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know. Well, you know how the Phil- the, um, the Pittsburgh Steelers, they uh, they don't have a hot, lot of high draft, but they have patience in their third and fourth rounders to build those guys. And once they're in the system, but they don't change coaching staffs every three or four years either. But once you're in the system, you understand the mentality of what, how we're going to play football around here. Now, I'm not talking about the the one in six Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm talking about the, the philosophy that 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 organizations have been about. Um, and they don't have a lot of high draft picks. I think the Car- Arizona Cardinals, uh, in my opinion, they take – Two steps back, but they only take one forward. They don't come back with right. three steps. They they've always in 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 um, Joe. You mentioned it. They always hover around the five hundred mark, yeah. and we expect and you keep the fans there who want to see these guys achieve more. Where we always right there and say you got to get over the hump. So it's always next year is always believers. looking good. If you yeah. five if you have five hundred, next year is always good for you. Right. I mean, and and I think they were trying to catch lightning in a bottle here, obviously with Carson Palmer thinking that it'd be Kurt Warner part two, but it's not. I mean, with Kurt Warner, Kurt Warner had one of the best releases I've ever seen in the NFL, and it, one of the quickest because their offensive line was awful then too. But he also had Steve Bresson and Anquan Bolden, these two veteran guys that that could break off routes, they could they could run little slant routes. So he so uh, to get him out of trouble. I mean, I just don't think it's going to happen. I think that it would be a mistake for them to draft uh, a running quarterback because I feel like that's fool's gold. Um, take Russell Wilson away from it, you know, but he has a great running game and a great defense, so that's why his team's doing so well, in my opinion. I just think that they need a serviceable a veteran to, to bring in, and, and I'm, I'm glad they didn't bring in Josh Freeman. I'll just say that. Joe, I'm, I'm, one last question, and, and we'll let you go. Um, I know you sound like you're at the airport with all that. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm outside. Yeah, sorry that I'm out, but I'm outside. Sorry if you're in the interference. Oh, Joe Dara, um, Philly Sports Jabronis. Check out the show. It's, it's, it's a great show. It's a fun show. I love you guys. Um, your, uh, the image on your uh, web page. Um, it's good stuff, man. And definitely appreciate you calling. But let me ask you this. And Alex was playing around with this as he's texted me throughout the week 50 million times. Um, is there a quarterback controversy in Philadelphia? Well, as you're waking up this morning, or really waking up uh, yesterday morning, it's basically what I like to call a quasi quarterback controversy because um, I think for the most part, most fans around here are of the belief that the, the Eagles quarterback of the future is not on the roster. Uh, that's, you know, right. Not to discredit anything that Nick Foles in particular is doing right now because, you know, he's got them playing for first place uh, this, this coming weekend against division rival Dallas. And uh, those games are insane enough as it is for all people involved who, who play and uh, attend them. But, uh, you know, you, so you have to give him a lot of credit 
for coming in and, and, and doing what he's, what he's done to this point. But I just, I, I think like, you know, um, getting back to Russell Wilson, just as one example, but in today's NFL, the, you know, it's the days of quarterbacks getting X amount of weeks or even a year or more to, to be groomed are, are long gone. So Nick, Nick Foles, he has to, he has to, he, he can't have a backslide. And he, you know, whether or not he remains a starter or not, he can't have a backslide. There's not going to be much, much of a grace period if, if he, if he doesn't just keep, you know, propelling himself past, you know, past here and, and, and winning games after winning games. The offense, now, the offense changed um, completely with him at quarterback. I'm sorry? The offense changed completely with he, him at quarterback, but he does have yeah. Deshaun Jackson and, and Shady McCoy. He does have some weapons. Chip Kelly initially promised uh, Philadelphia, and then it seemed like he was backing off of that promise, but then kind of lived up to it. Uh, but then, what, what, but I think basically the Chip Kelly's kind of, it, it's convenient for him uh, not that you ever, obviously, never want to see anyone get hurt, but it's convenient for him right now that Zick has an injury that can really be uh, attached to percentage points. And to, when you when you're dealing with the hamstring, and you stay hurt too much. If it's not 100, percent it's you know what I mean. If it's anything below what you would call 90, you know, you really have the out of saying like, you know, we don't want to we don't want to roll you out there and get hurt. Uh, so I think it's a quasi quarterback controversy because I think if you asked most most fans honestly, they would they would still think that the Eagles' quarterback of the future is, is still yet to come in a draft. Um, but that being said, you know Nick Foles, if he continues to to play as well as he's playing, um, yeah, I don't think you're going to see a quarterback controversy. I think they're just going to keep rolling with them. And uh, you have to do that. The only too. time a true quarterback controversy would come out in this situation, I think, is if is if Foles starts playing really poorly, because then you're gonna you're gonna start hearing murmurs for 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 Mr. Barkley, because there are enough people Ugh. who are already throwing their hands up as far as Vic's concerned. Well, so. Barkley, Barkley and Alex has one more question. Barkley and um, Vic will have chances anytime Matt Flynn gets uh, those many chances to quarterback for somebody's professional football team. Those guys are gets they they get a chance at somebody's team if some if one of the starters get hurt. So if, if Nick Foles stays playing this way or close to it, does Chip Kelly just throw the offense, like throw half of his playbook away and you have to play more traditional offense? You can still do hurry up, you can see all those things, but the read option obviously will become obsolete. Like, do you play a more traditional offense? And, I mean, is that something that he is prepared for? He I mean, how much of his playbook is actually traditional? That's the thing. I, I don't think that there's very much of it. I'm sure, obviously, there's, there's, a, there's a collection of enough base plays to, uh, to get by on. Uh, and to you know to teach on a on a weekly basis, but you know the, at least uh, as far as I'm concerned, the 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 only constant with Chip Kelly is is, is supposed to be that there's going to be no constants really, and that's kind of cliched. But within that's really supposed to be the case because he is supposed to uh, adapt his his scheme with with each quarterback that he he would he would use and with. This being somewhat of a obviously an unexpected uh, shift for for Foles, you'd have to think that that there are going to be more plays that that haven't been we haven't been exposed to yet. That Kelly is probably if he's drawing them up over the last couple of days, or he'll be drawing them up over the next couple of days. 
or at least implementing them. I, I think he'd be I think he'd be fine with the offense if he want to run a spread because you can still hold the linebackers at bay. We got a minute left, Joe, and I'll let you go. But real quick, uh, you know, check out the Jabronis is at on Fridays, right? Fridays or uh, yeah, Fridays at uh, seven p.m. Eastern, four p.m. Transplant, as you like to say. <laughs> <laughs> we got a kick out of that too. That is a huge transplant. Once you move west, you're a transplant. Yeah. But, but um, real quick, from Michael Vick, from one superstar from Newport News, Virginia, to another one, does uh, Allen Iverson need a statue in front of the uh, stadium, the arena? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely in favor of that. We, uh, we had a couple, couple weeks ago, we had a long conversation on our, on our show about, about Iverson. Um, when he basically announced that he would retire. And uh, we're still waiting on an official date, and I'm sure that the Sixers are basically begging him to, to uh, officially retire uh, in their building on a, on a homestand so that they can get more than seven people out there. <laughs> but, uh, he has to retire as a Philadelphia. There's no, I, you can't remember. Yeah, I, mean, I, I don't remember as a Detroit Piston or, or well, Denver a Denver Nugget. You retire as a Philadelphia 76er. Yeah, no, it's, that's that's what I would would really like to see, and you know, in today's world of uh, of journalism and broadcast and and everything, you, you can be a journalist and, and, and a fan at the same time. Like as you mentioned, I I'm I'm, I'm based in Philadelphia, mm-hmm. and I cover Philadelphia sports, but I also am able to cover Arizona sports. You know, specifically the Cardinals, obviously, through the power of uh, internet and other obviously other uh, other capabilities. But um, as a, as a as a fan in me, I I don't know if I was ever more angry in my life when I when I saw Allen Iverson for the first time in a, in a, in a Denver Nuggets jersey, and that includes uh, the uh, quote-unquote man crush of mine that Mike Gregor said I had with a super five, super five Donovan McNabb. Donovan, yeah. So, yeah. I'd like to say, I, I don't have a man crush on him. He was pretty emphatic uh, about my, that. <laughs> yeah, I was almost my, dating uh, <laughs> My opinions of Donovan McNabb are, are what every fully functional human human being with a brain should be and that he's that he's the best quarterback in the history of the Philadelphia Eagles and if that means if that means I have a man crush then it's yes. so be it but uh my, my, you know Mike had to uh, Mike had to throw that teaser out at me so I, that's fine oh no that's good stuff Joe man I pre- we appreciate you being on the show check out the uh Philly sports jabronis uh Joe Mike and Joe great show great fun you see that you you hear the insight uh from this guy so check out the show hey you're welcome on our show anytime you know we're gonna bug Thanks, you. i really appreciate that and i'm gonna uh, i'm gonna take you up on that offer oh anytime anytime we'll if you anything you need from us let us know thanks i really appreciate it and uh enjoy your show as well and uh glad to be uh partners at the uh the network there oh yeah absolutely good network pretty good all righty kwame lots of sports talk we're gonna take a break uh alex clancy debit debris we'll come back and we get down and dirty Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Do you love sports talk? Can't get enough sports talk? Have we got a show for you? It's about the NFL training camps, Super Bowl previews, a look at the new starting quarterbacks, and weekly key injuries. We'll take your calls and emails right on the air. Former Philadelphia Eagle James Loving is your host, and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot. Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific time, 3 p.m. Eastern time on the Voice America Sports Channel. 
Get ready to talk sports with the big guys. Tune in to Lockdown Coverage with Keith Lewis every Tuesday for the inside and outside of the business of sports. Keith and his guests will provide expert commentary and answer all of your burning questions about your favorite team, the players, and what's next. It's time to have fun with the game. Listen for Lockdown Coverage with Keith Lewis and his favorite co-hosts every Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time. On the Voice America Sports Channel. The talk doesn't get any hotter. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Now, some of you might still be in that place. If you're trying to get out, just follow me. Welcome back to Kwame Lasseter Sports Talk. Kwame has stepped out. Alex Clancy, Deborah Debris in studio. Kwame should be back in a second. Uh, thank you, Philly Sports Jabronis. Mr. Joe Dara. Um, Dara. Yeah, hopefully we'll hear from him again soon. Uh, but it's time for Down and Dirty with Deborah. Deborah. All right. So I just want to bring up um, some things that aggravated me this last week. When I saw the Texans play, and when Schwab went down, they had the fans started started actually being excited about the fact that he was down. I mean, it was crazy. Obviously, the guy isn't playing the way the fans would hope that he would play, the way he would like to play, or the way the team would like for him to play. But I thought that the um, the way the crowd reacted was just despicable. Um, and I look at it and I say, okay, so what was really going on here? Because uh, part of it that really disturbs me is the fact that it's just, I look at them as just a bunch of sissies. I mean, you've got the first person or group that stands up. Now, they might be just plain stupid. They might be drunken stupid. I don't know. But the group that really bothers me is the next group that starts. Because there's always going to be stupid people around. But it's the second ones that jump in, the joiners, the ones that I have little to no respect for them whatsoever because they didn't make a conscious choice to join in. They made an emotional choice. They jumped in. A lot of times they jump in because they don't want to be different. They don't want to be the odd man out. So the next thing you know, they're jumping in, and then the next group jumps in. And I just see this going on in so many cases throughout the, um, really throughout our culture of um you know, in schools, in workplaces, every place. There's just this downward spiral of people not being able to stand up for themselves, not being able to have their own opinion, voice their own opinion, and, stay, you know, t- put a stake in the ground and stand in it. Um, and this wussiness that seems to be going on. You know, the other thing I looked at is this whole deal about recess and taking the balls away. It's like, yeah, literally, they're going to be ballless. Uh, you know, they go out for recess and they can't even have the balls to play because they're afraid the kids are going to get injured. So we've got, you know, the wusses on one side or the sissies that, you know, are jumping in um, and really cheering the fact that a player is down and injured. They don't know the extent of the injured. We've got the school systems that are saying, you know, let these kids, as I talked about a few weeks ago, let these kids play with no balls whatsoever um, you know, in actual games, football games up in Canada. Now we've got school systems around the U.S. that are saying, well, we're not going to let the kids have um, any type of balls to play out on the playground because um, they might get injured. It's like, well, really? 
You know, I mean, it just, I guess the sissiness that I see going on is just really disturbing to me that where and who is going to teach people to stand up, state what they believe in, and then stick by it. Because it doesn't seem to be something that uh, we're grooming in our society anymore. And we're wondering why we're all getting so soft and allowing things to happen um, and not doing anything about it. I was down and dirty with Deborah. Deborah, yeah. I mean, I was watching the game. I thought about was it Michael Irvin was playing, and everybody cheered for him when 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 he went down. That was uh, that was one of the big ones. That was the first. I mean, the first in my life that that I had experienced that. And with with this, I mean, this is why, in my opinion, you only have like six teams that everybody loves: the diehard fans of the Steelers and the Cowboys and the Saints and the Packers. You have these people and the and the Raiders. Uh, I mean, you have oh, people yeah. like this that will not do this. You're right. Owen. Like, look at how much the Saints went through. You would never hear a New Orleans Saints fan cheer when one of their players got hurt, regardless of the the uh, the level of uh, competition that their team had in winning the Super Bowl. Exactly. So this, I mean, the Houston Texans, they've been relevant, but only since Peyton Manning's left, because they uh, Peyton Manning could always win the division. But this has been, to me, I mean, it's it's almost it's almost comical because what clout do you fans have? Besides going there and getting drunk, you don't have Texans fans all over the world yet. You haven't been around long enough. I mean, this is something to me that, it, it, I mean, it pissed me off. Yeah, exactly. it, it, it definitely did. I just don't, I don't know if sissiness, that's an interesting word to use. Um, I didn't think about that word, so that's definitely an interesting word to use. I just don't, I, I think there's no room for this in sports, and that's obvious, but... I just don't know where it came from. It doesn't make. Why is it Matt Schaub's fault that their defense isn't doing what they're supposed to do? The running game isn't doing what they're supposed to do. Yeah, he threw four pick sixes in a row, and I think it was four or five weeks in a row. Four, four, and then. So I mean, yes, granted, but five weeks for the team. He's still a, he's still a human being. Well, and this is the thing, and I'm sure this is the same group of people or type of people that. Um, you know, if a player on the field was having some sort of bad behavior, supposedly, then they would be the first ones to jump all over him and tell him, you know, what a horrible thing the way these players are acting out on the field, and yet they're doing the same and or worse from the stands. And where's the NFL in all this? Again, they, they can't rule over the fans necessarily. I mean, the fans are the ones that are bringing in the money. But the NFL, are, you know, they will chastise and fine a player on the field for bad behavior. But what about the fans? Down and dirty with Deborah. Um, fan, I, I like um, I like I like fans having there, but I, I like fans that's educated. And there's not only a certain amount of arenas where you got some educated fans, uh, but most of them is are just what they are. They're fanatics. You, they don't know the game. That's why I don't put a lot of stock on um, uh, their opinions. Their opinions and in, in as far as the votings and like. Awards, the Pro right. Bowls, uh, NBA All Star stuff like that. Uh, the players should do that, and then the coaches should do that because that's who sees the ins and outs of what these guys are going through. And when a fan sees a guy like Matt Schaub on the field, you forgetting this guy have kids. You forgetting mm -hmm. he has a wife. He has to go home to that. Go home to them. Um, how is that going to make the team better? That's not going to make the team better. They, they, the fans are idiot. When the guy uh, Clarence got hurt, they did the oh, wave yeah, in San Fran. The wave, you bet. Well. The, you don't have a, a knowledge of the game. When we, also, when you talk about these fans are paying, um, you know, bringing money into the stadium. No, they make the stadium look good for TV. Exactly. They, they, they don't bring it in enough where I can, with somebody. I've, I've heard it said, well, I pay your salary. Mm. I've heard it say that. There's no, no way in the world you can pay no, my salary. <laughs> you cannot pay my salary. You can pay my salary money. for, yeah. yeah. For you can't the, drink that many Coors Lights. Right. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> but they don't have a, they don't have a, um, 
enough education uh, of, of the sport that they love so much. Go into there and, you know, if the other player, if the team you like so much, if they taking a knee or if they trying to see if that guy's okay, nobody goes to hurt somebody. Why you well, can't do that? Well, that's the thing. You had, you had players like when Clayus went down. You had uh, players from the other team coming over, standing around him, making sure he was okay because they respect him as a player. It's always a drunk well, idiot out yeah. there to do that. I mean, and that's and that just shows how at times. And you said this: it's you guys, the players, yeah. against everybody else. Yeah. Because you have it doesn't matter what team you're on; it doesn't matter anything. You know how close of a brotherhood fraternity the NFL is when it could be your worst enemy. But if he goes down, you're you're down there right with him. Yeah, well, which that's is just warriors. They're, you've got the respect for the other. Right. One. And I've yeah. heard right. every interview I People hear. People die with the uh, with the um, you know the warrior. De- De- was mentioned warriors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But when when they died, it's a graceful death. When mm-hmm. they used to, when they had to kill somebody, they kill them out of respect. Right. Um. Back in the day, way well, way like way a back. Like samurai. In the day. Yeah, like samurai. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking of as I say this. Right. As a samurai, you kill somebody with respect, and yeah, you want them because they always a next life for them. Uh, you want right. to kill them with respect. Um, Tom yeah. Cruise. There you go. So, well, yeah, that was well. He, yeah, great music. Tom Cruise, but music. Tom Cruise in no way should have been playing. <laughs> See what the I did there? Anyway, the good down and dirty was segment. Uh, Deborah's segment. Uh, we can, you know, that's something we well, can talk about of a whole show. And there's we also got a that separation left. that it creates between the fans and the team. Yeah, you know, when you've got yeah. your own fans, you know, cheering when a player gets hurt. You know, on their own team, mm-hmm. then where's you know how does that motivate the team to go out there and play hard? That's why the fans don't understand why so many players are so standoffish out in the public because you do idiotic oh, yeah. now stuff come like up that. And ask me for an autograph, yeah. just like you being on the plane and the gals, you know, right, right, dissing you and then turn around and want your autograph. <laughs> want to autograph? It'd yeah. be you dumb, yeah, fool. Sure. Uh, <laughs> sports talk. We got, but, we got but, thirty but. seconds. Hey, here's one one thing I want to talk about real quick, and we only got thirty seconds, so which means ten seconds. Oh uh, man, Rebecca Bronson. She was th- 31 years old, eight months pregnant, playing in the. Uh, she was playing in the WNBA. Uh, here's a great picture of her. You go to the uh, website, but 31 years old, played oh for the uh, Minnesota Lynx, eight months pregnant, and she's playing in a basketball game. Holy I find that. I, I, I would guess I would say that's one thing that bothered me in sports this week, that she was able to do that, or that she would do that, put her child. Well, at risk. Yeah, she was in the finals. Yeah, I don't care. Yeah, I know, I know, I don't but care. that's, um, yeah, that's, that's that could be the finals. Yeah, that's life or death right there. Yeah. Um, she has a passion for the sports, but I, I don't need a great article or story to say I play eight months pregnant. Well, what's that doing to the fetus inside of her at the right. same time? The baby. That's if she plays hard around inside of there. Thanks, uh, uh, Jabronis, uh, Joe Dara. Uh, of the uh, Sports Jabronis in Philly, John Missile for bringing those guys to the table, Alex Clancy, Deborah Debris, Kwame Sports Talk. we see you guys next week. Thanks for tuning in this week. Come back next Tuesday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time, for another edition of Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.